Hello and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. We have a very special episode for you all tonight. I am your host, Sarah, and I've got Darcy with me as usual. Uh, Greet the listeners, Darcy. Hello, hello, hello. We have a little bit of a more serious note this evening, some updates and things going on, as well as an open case that's going on even as we speak that we felt that it was really important to highlight. Darcy, you want to kind of jump in? Yeah. um, So as you all know, I am from Birmingham, Alabama, and there is currently um, an Amber Alert that is going on for a young girl who was kidnapped from her home last Saturday. So I wanted to kind of talk about that because it's current, it's ongoing, and they do need help. So that's why we wanted to do a special episode tonight for that. So three-year-old Camille McKinney was at a birthday party at her housing complex, the Tom Brown Village in Birmingham on Saturday. This was last Saturday. It would have been uh, the 12th. And she was at a birthday party with a bunch of other kids, and she was kidnapped from that housing complex. So apparently there were, according to other children, there were there was a man in the area handing out candy to children. And at one point he picked her up and put her into a Toyota SUV and drove off. Talk about your stereotypical like abduction that people warn you about from a very small age, like don't take candy from strangers kind of a thing. Well, and he was and he was at this birthday party where everybody's probably having candy and cake. So it probably doesn't seem too nefarious, you know, and you think he knew people at the party or he just kind of was like, here's my opportunity. I'm going to pretend that I am part of this so I can grab somebody. It doesn't appear that he knew anybody at this party. It appears that he kind of walked up and took her and God and they put out an Amber Alert that same night. And the Amber Alert at first said that they did not know the vehicle that she was taken in, but that kids had reported that somebody had taken her. Then they were able to, I guess, speak with witnesses who, you know, who said that they saw a blue Toyota Sequoia SUV. And so they then sent out an updated Amber Alert with that information. That led to a tip of some people who found the SUV at their apartment complex at a different area and they called the police and two people were arrested. It was a man and a woman. And those two people have been arrested. They did not find uh, Camille, Camille at that time. So those two people have been arrested. One, Patrick Stallworth, he's 39 years old. And the only reason I'm mentioning their names is because they do have prior records and they have been charged with unrelated charges in this case. Stallworth was charged with seven crimes, possession of child pornography and and possession with intent to distribute child pornography. The images were discovered on his phone during the ongoing investigation into Camille's abduction. These images were not of Camille. There were no images of Camille on his phone. I want to make that clear. This is an unrelated charge. What were these images of? Child pornography. Oh, geez. What a sleazebag. So he was held on $500,000 bond. He has since been released. And he has a court-appointed attorney who says that he is entirely uninvolved. Now, his girlfriend, Derek Arisha Brown, is 29. She was also taken into custody. And she is currently being held in bond. Her bond was revoked from a 2018 case in which she is accused of abducting her three children from DHR custody. 
So again, there's no relation What's to DHR. Is that like Department kind of, like child of protective? yeah. Yes. So, um, again, these two people are not related to Camille. They believe they may be somehow related to the abduction, but that information is not yet clear. They have not been charged with any charges related to Camille's kidnapping. Okay. So the police chief in Birmingham has said that he believes there are other people involved in Camille's disappearance. By the way, I'm reading this article. This information is all coming from AL.com. And this is a writer named Carol Robinson who has been providing very good, solid information on this case. So that's where the majority of the information I'm reading is coming from. So there is currently a $25,000 reward for any information or tips that lead to the recovery of Camille and she has she goes by the nickname Cupcake. So if you're in the Birmingham area and you see her, she's a three year old young young black girl. We will post pictures. She's about sixty pounds. She's adorable. She needs to come home. We need her to come home. And they have been getting a lot of tips and they've been going to a bunch of different places, but they have not found her yet. So she has been missing now for six days. And if you have any information, please call the Birmingham Police Tip Line. That number is 205-297-8413. You can also call Crime Stoppers at 205-254-7777, or you can call 911 and they will connect you to the proper authorities. Again, there is a $25,000 reward for information leading to the recovery of Camille. So we want to bring and we her will home. highlight... All of that in the show notes as well. People, we just want to as well raise awareness. If you see something that looks out of the ordinary, you can call the authorities. There is no harm and no shame in confronting someone as well and saying, hey, who do you know at this gathering? Why are you here? I mean, people have this sense of politeness, especially, I think, in the South. They're very polite and, and hesitant to call somebody out, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's the case in all instances, but if you see something that doesn't make sense to you or that seems out of the ordinary, you should say something. Because right. if you don't, something like this could potentially happen. And it is far better to be the person that's like, hey, you know, I don't recognize you. Who, whose parent are you? Mm-hmm. And save somebody potentially than to have a, a, something as tragic and awful as this happen. And we all know as well that the longer it, the time draws out after a child has been taken, the less chance there is that that child would potentially come back alive. That is why it is so important that we urgently take action in this and help as much as we can, particularly if you're in that area, just to be on the lookout and you may have heard something that seemed out of the ordinary or somebody may have said something that seemed out of the ordinary. Tell somebody because there is no, you know, there is no sense of, Hey, I'm going to be a nuisance or Hey, I'm going to be a bitch or whatever. Say something. Anyway, sorry, go ahead, Darcy. And uh, I just, I do want to say today, Birmingham police did release a surveillance video of they, what they believe is the abduction, or they are very interested in talking to the people in this video. You can see two children. Camille had a, had a, has a brother, and they are playing, and you can see them kind of in a distance. There's two children. They're playing, and a man walks by, and he does not stop. Nothing happens. He walks by, and he leaves. A second man who has a noticeable limp 
walks by and the children then follow him. And they do believe that that is a person that they want to speak with. And they also have not yet identified the first person who, who walked by in the video. So I will link to this video as well as on the same article. I would encourage you to watch this video. It is a pretty distinctive limp. If you see somebody that maybe you, you recognize this gait of this person, any information is useful. And once again, I'll read those phone numbers out. You can call the Birmingham Police Tip Line. That phone number is 205-297-8413. You can also call Crime Stoppers at 205-254-7777. Yeah, we also feel that it's really important. Um, we had an episode that came out a few weeks ago about Jacob Wetterling. Both Darcy and I have been involved or interested in being involved in helping with open cases, cold cases, um, child kidnapping, child abduction, those sorts of things. So we feel like it's gonna—it's important for us to kind of highlight local cases that may not get as much airtime and as much attention as other cases in the media. Um, it, and we feel it's really important to highlight those cases to get the word out on those so that those kids can come home. And just one final thing, they have announced that they're going to do a community search on Sunday, but they have called off the 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 call for or the request for more volunteers it seems though as though they have sufficient volunteers but um we will keep you updated follow our twitter feed and we will be posting about that if there's any further information if they need more volunteers for sunday morning sounds good um so what is your secondary topic of update for today so our other case that we are going to talk about is kind of an update of a case that we have already discussed, and that is Samuel Little. And the reason I wanted to talk about this one is because, again, this is something that law enforcement is seeking assistance on. So you may have seen in the news a couple weeks back, the FBI and law enforcement have been able to verify 50 of his confessed murders, which does make him the most prolific serial killer in United States history. He has, like we said in the previous episode, he's confessed to 93 murders between 1970 and 2005. However, many of his deaths were originally ruled overdoses or attributed to accidental or undetermined causes, and some of the bodies have never been found. And so in his time in prison, he has made a series of confessions and a series of drawings to go along with these confessions. And so for the women that he does not know their names or cannot provide identifiable information, he has these drawings. And the FBI has a web page up dedicated to this because they are seeking help on identifying these women. So there are, I believe there are 16 that they 16 drawings and accompanying videos of Samuel Little talking about these confessions that um, that they are seeking your help on. And again, this is something I know it's kind of tempting to just overlook this. But if you can take a look at some of these these drawings, you, you never know. You may recognize it, recognize somebody or you may know somebody who recognizes somebody because these are across the country. These are not limited to one single geographic area like we've talked about on the previous episode. He traveled the country. So he has 
a confession of a woman in Miami, Florida from 1971 or 1972. He believes her name is Marianne or the double name Mary Ann. Uh, like I said, that was in Florida. There's a drawing and there's a video accompanying with that. They have an unmatched confession with that. They have an unmatched confession from North Little Rock, Arkansas in 1992 to 1994. And this is a black female in a transient area of Little Rock. Um, there is, there's drawings accompanying all of these. And they are pretty distinctive. So it does look like you would be able to identify somebody if you, if you recognize them. Just FYI, the original episode that we posted on this September 7th um, also has links in the show notes mm -hmm. to this uh, and the FBI website and all the other resources that, you, that we initially posted about Samuel Little. Mm -hmm. So go check that out. Listen to the episode if you want more details and you want to hear more information on this since Darcy is just sort of posting the update only on right. this episode. Right. And so like I said, there's, there's, there's cases out of Miami, Little Rock, Covington, Kentucky, which is outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, um, Las Vegas, New Orleans, Louisiana, which is ne down near my way, um, Phoenix, Arizona, Fort Myers, Florida, Kendall, Florida, Tampa, West Memphis. So just Memphis. to be clear, these are all the open cases that are still out there that we want people to go take a look at the drawings and see if they recognize a loved one in those images? Right. A loved right. one or if somebody you know may recognize. Yeah, just a, a, any information. And again, these are from 1970 to 2005. So if you're on the younger side, you probably don't recognize anybody. But have your parents look at them. Maybe they do. You know, this is again, this is all over. This is Monroe, Louisiana, San Bernardino, California, Plant City, Florida, Prince George's County, Maryland, Los Angeles, Savannah, Georgia, Gulfport, Mississippi, Pascagoula, Mississippi, Atlanta, Georgia, Cincinnati, Ohio, Charleston, South Carolina, Macon, Georgia, Granite City, Illinois, Knoxville, Tennessee, Houston, Texas, East St. Louis, Illinois, um, I think that covers it. There's multiple victims in a couple of these cities. And like I said, we'll, we'll link to this so that you can go take a look and, and ask people, you know, ask, ask family members if they've lived in these areas, you know, between those years, if they recognize anybody, because you never know what can help. And if you have any information, obviously do contact your local FBI field office with that information. And then we can, we can bring some of these women home. We can bring the closure to these families that have lost loved ones. So that was this actually is definitely a, this is definitely a case that is trending uh, tremendously lately. Our episode now that we have posted on this man is now our one of in our top three episodes. So people are interested. They want to hear about it. They want to know about this man and what he has done. And I don't think it's just morbid curiosity. I think it's people who are genuinely concerned about the the still outstanding women that he mm -hmm. has killed and, and want to help. I know there are a lot of amateur web sleuths out there that feel that it's important to get the word out there as well. And again, this is trending in the news. There are not very few people that have not seen an article or two about this man. And he is setting historic records for all the wrong reasons right. across the United States. I mean, the fact that he traveled so extensively and just killed at will 
these women that he just believed were throwaway items like garbage. Yeah. It's just so distressing and, and awful. And like you said, his victim pool was vulnerable populations. And that is why, like in this article, this FBI article, it said that so many of these deaths were ruled accidental overdoses or these victims were unidentified or were some some even haven't been found because they tend to run in transient communities. These women that he that he attacked and that he killed. And we really need to do a better job of making sure we take care of ourselves and each other, you know, regardless of what population that you fall into. Nobody deserves to be forgotten. Yeah, absolutely. It's a frightening case for sure. And I, I think that things are improving very slowly, mm-hmm. but that we still have a long ways to go with respect to the sex worker populations and sort of removing these stigmas that these women don't deserve the attention and time that say a middle-class white woman would right. deserve if she were murdered. And, uh, you know, and I think that I I do want to point out because, you know, I'm sure there's somebody that is calling us out and telling us that we're wrong, that he is not the most prolific serial killer, because you do have Ted Bundy and the Green River Killer who, uh, you know, it's believed that they have confessed to over 100 victims. It's believed they've they've killed 100 victims. But I want to make sure to note that he is officially the most prolific serial killer because they have confirmed 50 of his confessions. The Green River Killer, Gary Ridgway, I believe is sitting at 48 or 49 that they've confirmed. And so he was the most prolific, but now having confirmed 50, that does officially make Samuel Little the most prolific. And like we said in the previous episode, law enforcement does believe that they will ultimately confirm all 93 of his confessions. Good Lord. Yeah. What an awful, terrible record to try to hold and to be proud of. I know. I know. And they are, is the thing. Like, Gary Ridgway, you know, and same with um, Henry Lee Lucas. You know, he lied about all of his, but he wanted to confess as many as he could. I don't, you know, it's it's just this whole thing of wanting notoriety and wanting to be remembered. But yet we don't talk about these women in the same way. You know, right. And this was such a a tragic time in U.S. history for many reasons, including the fact that it was so easy for many of these serial killers to go into areas and murder at will without being traced. Right. And then with law enforcement in different areas, not talking to each other across jurisdictions or across state lines or anything like that, you know, there was no there was no way to link these murders until something like VICAP comes along, which we've talked about before. VICAP has been extremely instrumental in this case, but it's not mandatory across the United States. Not every police jurisdiction is required to input information. So there could be more, you know, of his confessed victims out there or even not confessed victims out there that, you know, the pattern may match, but because nothing is in VICAP, you know, then then it goes kind of unknown. So just about, you know, we are getting better. Like you said, we're getting better at technology. We're getting better in the way that we look at and and treat these victim 
populations, but I think there's still a long way to go. And I, but I do think that we are moving in that direction. It just takes time. And I think it takes, you know, effort on our end too. You know, we don't, that's why we don't, we make an effort not to refer to these women as prostitutes. They are, you know, it's sex work is a voluntary job for many, many people. And it's not a bad thing. And when you call them prostitutes, you justify in a way that carries a negative connotation and you justify violent crime happening to them. And that's not what we need to be doing. They don't deserve, nobody deserves, you know, to be the victim of violent crime. So I I think it just, I think it takes more effort on all of our ends to kind of move that needle. But I do think we're going in the right direction. Absolutely. Well, we're going to wrap this episode up for now. This has been um, a dark and very kind of a deep thing that we've been talking about this evening, but Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, concerns, information you would like to share, please send us an email. Our email address is thebfdpodcast at gmail.com. Our social media is at thebfdpodcast. Feel free to drop us a line. Uh, Follow us. We'll follow you back. And follow for updates, too. Yeah, and absolutely we will put any information we have on this into the show notes and we will continue to follow up with the information that we receive as it comes in, right, Dars? Yep. Please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your best life. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.